This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Um, you know, we all have these, um, I think, things as we look at in life where, where the world watches. I mean, I don't, we don't have to go that far for us, do we? We, coronavirus, the world watches what's happening. We're all tuning in. There's a number of other things in 2020 I think we could look back on and the world just sees it all. It's on the news. People are aware of it. And sometimes we're closer to those things than others. Sometimes we have experiences where we, we are just, we're close to those things in your life. For me, um, one of those was something called Three Mile Island. Some of you, if you're old enough, if I say the words Three Mile Island, you think, oh yeah, I know what that is. If I asked you a show of hands, it'd probably be people over 45, maybe. Uh, for those of you younger would go, I'm not really sure what that is. Let me explain. A Three Mile Island is a, it's a nuclear power plant in Pennsylvania that had a partial meltdown of Reactor 2. I have a picture of it for you. Um, in 1979. Now, I was born in 1976, so I was about three years old when this happened, and I lived just um, five-ish, maybe 10 miles away from Three Mile Island. Explains a lot. I know, you're like, got it, right. Um, so, but I, but I lived there, and we had to evacuate. What happened was, is that there was this partial meltdown of the reactor. They didn't know what was going on. It was a worldwide event. People all over the country, even over the world, because Chernobyl had happened, and all of a sudden, oh no, another nuclear reactor, here it is. Three Mile Island is melting down, and people were nervous. People were scared about it, and eventually, you know, they determined, well, it's, it's actually okay. There wasn't really a whole lot of fallout. It's fine. There's nobody's really in danger of, of anything happening there, and so you move back in, but the words Three Mile Island became a little bit of a nuclear meltdown. What's happening over there? Nobody really knows. I moved away from Pennsylvania, and I moved back there in 1997, and when I moved back there in 1997, the house that we lived in was like a half a mile from Three Mile Island. You could see the smokestacks from where we lived. And every time I drive by it, I would just, there's, you just wonder. You go, yeah, is, what's going on there? You know, is this a safe place to be? I'm not quite sure because there's this meltdown at this place. And I, I don't know if that's a safe place. I'm not really sure how to think through that area, Three Mile Island. How do I process through this? How do I think about it? Because the world watched it almost melt down. And now I'm living right next to it. How do I think about this? I'm, I'm not quite sure. And I'm hesitant about it. Even just going close to it, I'm not quite sure. And church, I'm going to be really honest with you this morning. I think this uh, reality is a picture of the American church today. Now, let me, let me say, I don't think it's just the American church. I think it's a worldwide church. The American church is all I know. This is where I live. So I'm going to talk specifically about us. I think this is a worldwide issue that we have relational, partial meltdowns constantly over things that really don't matter. Let me just give you one uh, that I think we can just talk about because I just talked about it, masks. Our church, and let me commend you, I think our church has done, you guys have done an amazing job thinking through masks, caring for each other, loving one another, walking through it. I don't know if you're ever on social media, that is not the way that the whole church is today. There are constant 
bickering and conflicts and arguments and people aren't getting along. There's relational meltdown in the church today. It could, we could talk about a number of different things. You just think about things in the news, whether it's politics or masks or rights or whatever it is. We, as the church, get into these bickering arguments and we have partial meltdowns and the world is watching. And here's why that's a problem. Because Jesus says that they, the world, will know us by our love for one another. And if we can't even get along over these small things, man, we have problems. Because we're not actually living out the life that that God has called us to live as the church. And Paul is going to address this this morning in Ephesians 2. He's actually going to talk to us today. He's going to talk to us today because there are things we need to understand from this. Here's the the big one. This is the big idea for this morning. How do we avoid this kind of thing? Because relational meltdowns are happening. Avoiding relational meltdown takes Jesus over me thinking. This is what Paul's going to talk about. Look, too often in our lives, we actually get into me over Jesus. You know why we do that? This is a worldwide issue because we drift into this. We drift this way. We don't drift into selflessness, which is Jesus is greater than me. Jesus is over me. I should center my life around Jesus and who he is. We we drift into, what about me, though? How How do I think about myself? What about my preferences? My, you know, I'm not talking about first theological issues like the gospel. We're talking about things that are way past that. They're way down the list. To, to voting rights, to other things that we think about, secular institutions that we think about that divide us, that we argue about, and we become tribalistic, and we just float to our own, you know, our own tribes. In, in Paul's words in Ephesians, it'd be the, the Jewish people should just stay together. The Gentiles should just stay together. It'll be easier that way. And Paul's saying, absolutely not. That is not how the church works. That is not what God did to redeem us, to save us. He he has a bigger picture and a bigger plan for us to get. We need to avoid relational meltdown. We don't want to be like Three Mile Island where people come to the church and go, I don't know. It seems like there's a meltdown going on. We want to be the kind of people that people look at and say, what is going on there in a good way? Because something's happening. We want to make sure we get that. Avoiding relational meltdown church. It takes Jesus over me thinking, and I'm going to explain what that means. Here's the question. What happens if we do the opposite and we have me over Jesus thinking, which is, I think, more often the case that we drift into. We want to answer both of those things. We're going to talk about all this today as we go forward. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 11. I'm going to read all the way through verse uh, 22. And is that right? Yeah, this is a different Bible than I was. So I'll just make sure I'm reading the same, the right things. Yes. Um, so we're going to read 11 through 22 all of the way through that. And then we are going to, I'm going to break it down a little bit and we're going to figure out how we can live it out. We want to get this, guys. Avoiding uh, relational meltdown, it takes a certain amount of thinking as we think through it. And Paul's going to help us see it here this morning. So here we are. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, our verses here are uh, verses 14 through 18. It's where we're going to kind of sit here and we're going to process through what Paul is talking about to us. He's talking about the, the realities of togetherness. If you remember, Tyler, if you were with us last week, Tyler talked about how the Gentiles, and Paul's issue is with the Gentiles being brought in to the, um, essentially, the history of Israel. You know, at one point, Israel was the people of God. You read the Old Testament, God chose a people, as Tyler said last week, and he brought the Gentiles into the people of God, into the people of Israel. He made a way for them to come. The problem that Paul is seeing and the problem that Paul is addressing is, how do you get two groups of people that think radically differently, that have radically different lives, radically different histories, radically different preferences, radically different understandings of who God is, because some have known God for a long time through the law. Some of them have no idea who God is. How do those two radically different kinds of people come together to build one church? And Paul sees this as an issue, and he sees this as an issue, not just in Ephesus, but he's got this whole theme of this throughout all of his letters, because this is an issue. It's one of the reasons why I know this isn't just an American problem. This is a worldwide problem. How do we get people of radically different backgrounds and understandings to not just be two separate groups of tribalistic, I'm a church over here, I'm a church over here, but how do we bring those people together to say, we are the church? How do we do it? How do we avoid relational meltdown? Because that's what happens. That's what's happening here. You have Jewish, look, we went through Acts, if you were with us at the beginning, you had problems. You had the Jewish people that were saying everybody needs to be circumcised. We have these issues. You got to follow the law. You have to do all this if you're going to be a Christian. And the, the apostles are saying, wait a second, that's adding to the work of Christ. We can't expect everybody to follow that law because Jesus actually fulfilled a lot of that. How do we think through this? And Paul addresses it here this morning in our text, verses 14 through 18, and he begins it by saying in verse 14, for Jesus himself is our peace. What does it mean to have peace? 
It means two groups arguing, can't get along. And he says, no, hang on for a second. We have to understand what brings us together, not what separates us. Here's what brings us together. Jesus himself is our peace. Notice what he doesn't say. Church, look, we've got to read our Bibles carefully. He doesn't say Jesus himself is bringing peace. He doesn't say Jesus himself is proclaiming peace. We think that might be what he's saying. It's not what he's saying. He is our peace. Jesus himself is the peace. He is the thing that binds us together. Jesus is the peace. You want to know how to avoid relational meltdown? Recognize Jesus is the center. He is the peace. And he does this through the work of the cross. He does this in verse 16, through the cross. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus is the peace. He takes groups like the, the Gentiles and the Jews. And make no mistake, this, we want to be clear, this is not a, a passage for us, I think sometimes we can do this in America, to say, oh yeah, we should have racial reconciliation. This is a, this is a, this is a, you know, okay, look, people, we not be, you know, we want to be, we want to be uh, good in terms of how we think about race, and so we want to use this as a racial reconciliation passage. Listen, this is not about the, you know, the white church and the black church coming together. That, that's not primarily what he's talking about here. You know why? He's talking about the Gentiles and the Jews. You know what that means? All of us are Gentiles. Most of us in this room, unless you have Jewish heritage. Whether we're, the, whether we're a South American church or an Asian church or a black church or a white church, we're all Gentiles. We've, we are the ones who've been brought in. We're, we're not talking about those, okay, we're in and we're going to bring other people in. No, we, we were all out. We are coming in to, the, uh, to this church, this, this group of people that were God's people, and we're brought in. Tyler talked about that last week. We want to make sure we understand that, but we are all together being brought in by the blood of the cross. We find unity here. We find togetherness here. We find sameness here. This is what should center us Jesus himself and his work on the cross is our peace. You know why? Because you and me, we all have been uh, given peace internally if you're a Christian. We've been given the spirit of the living God in us. Amen? Yes? Everybody agree with this? Spirit of the living God in us through the work of Christ, through his working in us, we've been given internal peace. So have the Jewish people. So have, if we're going to make it here, so have the uh, churches that speak Spanish. So have the churches that speak English. So have the churches that speak Japanese. It doesn't make us like we're so separate. Oh my goodness. No, you know what we have in common? A savior. He's our unity. We want to avoid relational meltdown. We have to understand that Jesus is our peace. It's one of the reasons why we fought so hard over this last season, 2020, to make Jesus the center point when we're talking about divisive issues, which we have. We've talked about a lot of divisive issues because the world has been divided. And we've tried to say, well, let's just make sure we have, we have it right in our own minds that there is a center that we need to keep. We can't focus on what divides us because, you know, whether we're talking about an election or politics, that's all secular. What we have is something greater than this. It's union 
uh, together through the working of Jesus Christ the King. And we have a common spirit because we have a common salvation. We have a common peace. This is what the church should model. But too many times, we let too many me issues stand in the way, don't we? We feel like, well, I have a lot of things that I need to, I need to make sure people understand about me, and so I'm going to say them loudly so that people, I don't care if it offends everybody, because I want people to understand where I stand. This is a me over Jesus thinking. We're not about unity at that point. We're about me. And listen, I want to make sure that I'm clear because there are things that we should be standing firm on, right? Truth matters. But but oftentimes the things that we actually divide over have nothing to do with the, the fundamental aspects of Christianity and who Jesus is. It's these side things that pull us apart and creates churches that say, this is what we believe about politics or this is my ethnicity or this is where, you know, this is uh, my socioeconomic standing. Look, if we're about being a diverse church, I think this is what Paul's talking about. The church should be diverse because we, we have a common savior. It has nothing to do with what we look like or what language we speak. It matters uh, who, who our God is and who our spirit is. He himself is our peace. And he's talking about Jews and Gentiles who could not have been further apart. Notice what he says here, where he says uh, that um, in verse 14, they made us, he's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, in his body, his broken body, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances. This dividing wall of hostility was this idea of religiosity that people brought in. They believed it in the scriptures. You have all these pagan worshipers and, you know, polytheistic people coming in and unknowing who Jesus is. They have a whole history. Then you have the Jewish people who have the law and the covenant and they understand all of this stuff and they just couldn't get along. There was this hostility between them. And what Paul's saying is if we have Jesus as the center, we recognize that that should not be a dividing wall anymore. We should be united in him with a common spirit. Listen, we are family. Dividing walls are gone if we truly want to be family. It doesn't matter what, what our backgrounds are. In some ways, it doesn't matter who you voted for. Actually, I just, let me take that back. In every way, it doesn't matter who you voted for. What matters is who your savior is and what we believe about who he is. Secular politics, look, there's people in Rome back here, there's people in Jerusalem here, they didn't get along because of their politics. Paul's saying, we need to put that aside. You know why? Jesus himself is our peace. Read the New Testament. It's constant, constant refrain. We need to make sure we understand this as a church. If we're gonna actually navigate this season of the American church, Worldwide church, but for us, American church, this season of it, it's been difficult. If we're going to navigate this in a way that's going to honor the Lord, I think we need to actually not just read this and go, okay, that's a good idea, but apply this. What does this mean for us? Because if we don't apply this, what's going to happen is we're all going to separate and go our separate ways. And again, we're going to have, you know, a church over here that likes dogs and a church over here that likes cats. And we're going to separate over those things. I don't, I don't like cats. We go to the dog church. 
dogs bark too loud. I'm going to the cat church because cats are grumpy. I'd rather be grumpy. Like that's what we want to do when we separate over those things. We want to make sure that we don't do that. That is not what Paul's calling us to. He's calling us to something higher than this as we think about it. Look, last thing before we apply. If we get that Jesus is our peace, then we, then we understand that there is no greater person and lesser person. There is no Christian that, that gets the gospel more or less. Again, let me step back. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about those of us that trust in Jesus wholly, that we, we, we do believe the gospel. We all get it. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can say, okay, the, the rich people are the better Christians than the poor people. The, um, you know, the people that are cat people are better Christians than the dog people. The NASCAR people are way less important than the football people, right? We can have this weird mentality that somehow we rank everybody. And Paul is saying, Jesus came. Take a look at what he says in verse 17. Jesus came and he preached peace to those who were far off, the Gentiles, the same way that he preached peace to those who were near, the Israelites, the Jewish people. He didn't distinguish. He said, no, 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 we're, we're equal here. You go, you read the New Testament, he's preaching peace to everybody. He's crossing the Sea of Galilee to talk to the, to the Gentiles. He's going to Samaria to preach the gospel to them, to have them understand it. He's not saying, okay, I'm gonna have a, a tiered system. We can't have a tiered system in an American church. Look, if we want to be a biblical church anchor, we cannot have a tiered system. We love everybody as we think about it. We want to preach the gospel to everybody. We want to love each other. It doesn't matter if you're a cat person or a dog person or a fish person or a reptile person. I don't know, whatever it is. We want to make sure we, we don't have that. Paul's trying to break these things down. There are no dividing walls. We want to make sure we think this. Again, don't mishear me. Truth does matter, okay? There are churches that aren't really churches because they don't preach the real Jesus. We get this. I'm talking about the genuine church, the real church, the church of Jesus Christ who, who died for our sins and who rose again from the dead, who's given us his spirit. We believe in the triune God, atonement. We believe in all of these things. We get all of this and we want to make sure we understand that there is no dividing walls in the genuine church. We, we don't want to have those things in us. I know we all have preferences, but we, church, Jesus came to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Look what he says in verse 18. For through him, Jesus, we both, Jews, Gentiles, cat people, dog people, NASCAR people, football people, it doesn't matter, black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people, we all have been brought near by the blood of Christ and we both have access in one spirit to the Father through Jesus. We're going to get to this in a second. There is one body. Like verse chapter four, there is one body and one spirit. Just as he has called us to one hope of our call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Paul's hitting this hard for us. And man, this is a great time for this passage to hit. Because I feel it. You feel it? Look, there are days I go on Twitter, I'm not going to lie to you, and I think, why am I a pastor? This is ridiculous. Sometimes you go, why am I a Christian? Like, this is craziness. The Christian people are the nutsy people on Twitter. They're the craziest people on there sometimes. You think, why are we so divided? We have access to the same Father through the same Spirit, through the same Savior. He himself is our peace. 
church, we got to get this. You know, like if you hear one thing, I mean, I am just, we have to understand this. We want to grow. We need to understand this. You want to grow in your faith. You have to understand this. Do we want to grow as a church? We want to reach the community. We have to understand this because what, what are we preaching otherwise? Listen, if we are the me over Jesus thinking people, then what happens is the call for us to love one another in a radical way so that the people out there that don't know Jesus is will know that we belong to the Savior of the world because of how much we love each other. If we're just me over Jesus thinking people, that's never going to come across. It's going to be like an like uh, invisible ink. We write and we're like, you can see it. And I can't see anything. It's going to be like driving by Three Mile Island. People are going to constantly be saying, that's like a melted down thing. I don't know if I should even be around this. Jesus says, no, they will know that you are mine with how you love one another. And we want to make sure that we understand it. And we want to make sure that we, we grasp it, church. We want to make sure that this is something that sinks down into us because this isn't the last time he's going to talk about this. Paul is going to hit this a number of times in Ephesians. It seems to matter a lot to him. You know why? Because back then, in this time period, the Jews and the Gentiles were struggling to be one. Last thing I'm going to say before we apply. Notice that he says uh, that he's going to reconcile us both to God in one body, verse 16, through the cross by killing the hostility. And right before that, he abolished the law and the covenants and and the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. You know what he's talking about? There isn't, now there's no longer just Gentile and Jewish person. There's one, you know what that one is? Christian. There, there's not two anymore. Jesus brings them together, Christian. And we need to get this. If not, I, I fear that we're just gonna constantly separate into tribes and constantly just be homogenized to who we are. Like, I don't want that. We want diversity, diversity of thought, Diversity of skin color, diversity of backgrounds, diversity of uh, socioeconomic situations. We want diversity because that represents the kingdom. God has saved a number of people from a number of different backgrounds, from a number of different places, and we want to represent this as we think about the church. And Paul's eager for it in Ephesians, and I'm eager for it here at Anchor as we think through it. We can't let these things, these small things, get in the way. Masks, politics, any of these other things. We can think of those things. We're all going to have preferences, right? We're all going to think about things a certain way. We are, but those things should sink to the, to the place that they should be. And what should rise to the top is Jesus is our peace. It starts with us internally and it, and it bleeds over then into who we are as a church. If we don't watch this and if we don't allow relational meltdowns, uh, we, don't, we don't stop relational meltdowns. If we don't do this, then we're going to live without gospel power together. The gospel power that goes forward. Because we're going to be ignoring parts of it that says reconciliation. We're going to be pushing it aside and we're going to live a, a less than gospel witness to the world as we go forward. Listen, avoiding relational meltdown takes Jesus over me thinking. Jesus highlights. Jesus to the forefront. We need to make sure we think about this. How can we live it out? Two, two ways to, uh, to avoid drifting this way because we will drift to me over Jesus thinking. Two ways to avoid this. The first one is always find your own peace in Jesus and not you. It starts with you. Always find your own peace in Jesus 
and not you. Here's what I mean by this. If, if you find in your life your own soul peace, where you find peace, if that happens for you, if that's going on in your heart, then when everything crumbles that you are trying to put your peace on, you're going to ha- not have any peace. It's actually going to be gone. Like there's, there's going to be a frustration. You need to recognize that you have been given peace inside by the blood of Christ, been given his spirit, been brought into the family of the living God for his name. And you live that way as, as one who has a savior who is doing a work in you and he's bringing peace to you. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be great. Oh, great. Yeah, I became a Christian. I don't have any problems anymore. I mean, it seems like everything goes fine. You know, there's no more sin in my life. I don't ever need any money. Um, I have no problems. You know, I mean, death seems to have gone away in my whole life. Like all of this stuff. That's not what being a Christian is. We're going to have problems. The difference is we have somebody who, who's died for us and our peace is inside. It's not external. It's in Jesus. We want to make sure we have that. Do you know why? Because because everybody else that's a Christian has that exact same peace. We want to make sure we're working on our peace, recognizing that we have our peace in, in Jesus and not in ourselves. That's the first one if we want to avoid this. Where is your peace? Is it in Jesus or not? And the second thing is you want to ask yourself if me over Jesus thinking has threatened church family peace for you. Maybe even a better question is, where has it? Because my guess is, um, it has. This is just, I mean, Paul assumes it. We should assume it, that somehow me over Jesus thinking has threatened church family peace, whether that's here or with, with other believers. I don't know where that is in, in your life. He, here's where it is. It's whatever you're thinking about right now. Because chances are you have it. Where, where is it where me over Jesus thinking has threatened church family peace for you? It's whatever you're thinking about right now. I could try and do a long bullet pointed list of all the ways this might play itself out. It would take a really long time for me to hit everything. It's where you are feeling it now. It could, it could be racial, it could be socioeconomic, it could just be a preferences, it could be masks, it could be lots of different things, I don't know. But whatever you're thinking about right now is probably a good place to start. Ask yourself, is me and where has me over Jesus thinking threatened church family peace? Look, one of our values is being passionately one. The reason we have that as a value is that we know that's hard to, to continue. But that is something the Bible calls us to. Togetherness. Jesus himself is our peace, passionately so. We want to make sure we understand that. And, and I want to add a, kind of a phrase to, to how we think about this. As we think about being passionately one, it's just this, that Jesus over me thinking help, just is going to be helpful. Jesus over me. My peace is in him. So is the person, the Christian, that I disagree with about something. My peace, his peace, her peace, is in not me, Jesus. He's our peace. And we want to make sure that we understand this, guys. Avoiding relational meltdown takes Jesus over me, thinking I'm going to call the band up. Our our peace as a church in this season, actually, I want to commend all of you because I feel like we've lived this. For the most part, I feel like we've lived this. You, You all have done a tremendous job. But here's what I want to make sure we get. This weird season that we're in is not over. 
and there will be another one after it. Because that's the way life is. We, we will, it's like, it's like the, you, never, you ever get in the ocean, you know, you see, like, oh, this is a great wave, and it hits you and you fall over, especially if you're in like Huntington Beach, and it starts to drag you out into the ocean, you're like, this, I don't like this anymore. Guess what? There's another one coming, right? There's, look, it's never just one wave, there's more of them. We live in a world that's unstable in so many ways, that this season of our life, this upheaval season of our life, is just one of many that's gonna hit us. And we wanna make sure that we recognize how to avoid relational meltdown as Christians so that the world will see they love each other. We wanna make sure we get it. We wanna make sure we understand it. We wanna live that way, position ourselves that way, see that God's at work in us and where, where is he at work in us? May one of the ways he continue to work in us is that we are those that are growing and thinking Jesus over me. Selfless instead of selfish as we process through it. Paul, Paul is concerned uh, that all of this historic uh, religion thinking from, from the temple period and all the Jewish thinking is going to infiltrate the Gentiles and they're not going to mesh. And so he's speaking to it. And I would just say, we all have similar things. We all have similar things. We're coming from different backgrounds. Some of us grew up in the church since we were little. Some of us are brand new to the church. Lives look messy. Look, we're, we're called to, to be here together. Disciple one another. Live that disciple cycle life. Do it in a way that's going to honor the Lord uh, as we trust Jesus in it. And we want to make sure that we're going forward. Where is your peace this morning? I pray that it's in Jesus. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're like, I'm not a Christian. I would just say to you, well, if you're not a Christian, thank you for listening. Maybe you're on the live stream. Thank you for listening. Uh, you're, you're experiencing life in a different way than, than maybe I am. Not because I'm better than you. It's just because I, I have a hope in uh, something outside of this insane world. It's not here. It's not rocked by the, by the scandals. It's not rocked by the coronavirus. It's not rocked by uh, politics. It's not rocked by riots. It's not rocked by any of those things because Jesus lives outside of this place. And actually, he's in control of it all. That's where my hope is. It can be yours too if you just trust in him. And it's, it takes all, it's real easy. It's just saying, I, I believe that Jesus and this death that he died on a cross, we're gonna actually commemorate it here this morning and remember it, that he died for us. That we, as we think about that, uh, I, can, I can trust him. It just takes belief. Do you believe it? Do you believe Jesus died on a cross for you? Do you believe he rose again from the dead for you? If so, then I'd say welcome to the family. Communion is something that we take together as Christians. If you don't have this, by the way, it's in the back. You can go get it. There's no shame. You can get up and walk back there. Um... I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.